In this episode, we're talking all about using technology in the language classroom. This is the first of two episodes on this topic since there are so many useful resources to talk about. I'm joined by Joe Dale, a highly influential and sought-after voice when it comes to all things about technology and language learning. There are sure to be lots of suggestions that you want to look into. Everything Joe Dale mentions is linked in the show notes. You can also get all the links in the blog post that's associated with this episode. Just go to wlclassroom.com slash EP34 for episode 34. So wlclassroom.com slash EP34. So much to discuss. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral. Thank you for being the wonderful teacher that you are, that you take time out of your week each week to listen to what is happening in language teaching, what other teachers are doing to be inspired and to confirm what you're doing. So Thank you on behalf of your colleagues and your students for doing that. Make sure that you are following this podcast wherever you're listening right now. That might mean subscribing or following. Just make sure you're doing that so that we can hang out together. We're going to be talking about technology and not just, oh, let's use technology in the classroom because there are some fun games you can do, but really how are we leveraging technology to enhance the learning experience. So I'm joined today by Joe Dale, who is in the UK. So he is my first international guest on the podcast, which is so exciting for me. He's coming in all the way from across the pond. Um, as we say, I'm in Boston, he's in the UK. So we really just have the Atlantic Ocean between us. And he is in the Isle of Wight in the UK, and he can tell us a little more about what that actually means and their claim to fame a little bit. Uh, but he is a former French teacher. He did that for about 13 years. But I would probably say he wouldn't say he's a former French teacher because he continues to be a teacher. Uh, but for the last 11 years, he's really focused on using technology to enhance the language learning experience. And in particular, if you know me and you've listened to this podcast, I like the research. And he says that what he does is this evidence-based approach to teaching. And what better thing to talk about on the World Language Classroom podcast than evidence-based approaches to teaching. So thank you so very much for being with us today, Joe Dale. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you ever so much, uh, Joshua, for this opportunity. It's a real pleasure to be here. And uh, I'd love, first of all, to talk about the Isle of Wight, of course. Yeah, I've sure. The... <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been on the Isle of Wight for uh, over 20 years now. For those people that don't know where the Isle of Wight is, it's uh, about 25 minutes away uh, via ferry from Southampton, which is where the Titanic left uh, back in 1914, was it, I think, right. if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And um, and also uh, the song by the Beatles, When I'm 64, 
uh, refers to the Isle of Wight as well. Uh, and also in the the book, The Day of the Triffids, uh, they end up on the Isle of Wight. That's where they uh, that's where they survive at the end. So there okay. we are. Claim to fame being on the oh. Isle of Wight. <laughs> that is that is excellent. So if you're uh, if anyone's on Twitter who's listening, uh, you've likely seen some of what Joe is you know, showing us on Twitter and everything. And one of the things he has is a hashtag, uh, which is the MFL Twitterati uh, hashtag. Uh, so if you're using that hashtag on there, you can see that he is the mastermind behind creating that to, to bring that to everyone. Uh, so can you talk to us a little bit, Joe, about your your transition and why did you decide to really focus on technology in terms of the work that you do with teachers and professional development? As in my, my life in general, I tend to, once I get into something, I get really, really into it. And I find that um, I can then, you know, help other people with different uh, passions that I have. Uh, technology is one which I've been interested in for quite a few years now. You may be surprised to hear I wasn't, you know, like a, a geeky child when I grew up. I used to, I used to swap, you know, like ZX Spectrum games and things like that. I'm showing my age now, but uh, <laughs> but I was never really you know that good with technology. It was around 2000 when I sort of learned really how to properly you know word process and and all the rest of it. I was wasn't very good with technology at all prior to that, and it just so happened that I found I was very I was I got really good at it. I got really passionate about it, and as a result of that, I was able to buy the internet, uh, train myself up. And then I started speaking at conferences and it just sort of went from there, really. I got into blogging and podcasting. People were saying at uh, various conference talks right from the word go that they seemed to find the the tips that I was sharing useful. Uh, they were very practical. And uh, I would know about lots of different tools I would recommend. And, and um, I would present in a very sort of like step-by-step guides and things like that. And then doing face-to-face training. It was just something that seemed to be something that I was good at. So as a result of that, I decided uh, back in 2009 to sort of try, a, you know, a second career, as it were, on doing this sort of thing full time because I was sort of running myself ragged, trying to be a full time teacher, head of department for the last three years. Uh, you know, going away most weekends, running training or speaking at conferences. I decided to to go for it full time and see, you know, how that would be. And I've never looked back really. Mm. And then, particularly during the pandemic, because of you know my skill set, I've been again, bending over backwards to try and help people via Twitter, via the MFL Twitterati hashtag, via uh, a myriad of different webinars um, for uh, language departments, uh, language um, organizations, districts, literally all over the world. Uh, I I feel very lucky that I've had the opportunity of being able to do that um, as opposed to, say, being in another profession, like, I don't know, a musician where life would be a lot harder to try and make a living um, during the pandemic. So fortunately, I have been able to pivot, as one says, and still being able to, you know, make a living through uh, my knowledge and being able to help people at the same time. So in doing the math a little bit where you were teaching for 13 years, you've been doing the PD work for 10 or 11 years, it looks like the teaching for you started about 23, 24 years ago. So I'm curious if you go back to the beginning of your teaching experience now, we're looking probably at the late 90s at that point, right? Uh, mid-90s. I, I, Mid-90s I, trained, right? I trained up as a teacher in the mid-90s, having had um, two years in, in Quebec. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, before we started recording, yeah, you told me all about um, coming from Quebec, which is really interesting. So okay. I had two years in Quebec as a language assistant. I then came back to uh, the UK. I did my TEFL uh, certificate uh, in Canterbury in Kent. 
And then I did my uh, PGCE in North Wales. And then I taught for three years at secondary level and then mm-hmm. had my 10 years at middle school level with nine 13 year olds. Yeah. So at the beginning of that, um, going back, you know, 20 plus years, technology was not a very present thing in our classrooms. I mean, it, it was, it just didn't look, it wasn't as advanced as it is now. So can you just, not to spend too much time on it, but when you started to bring technology into your own classroom and seeing the benefits of it, even early on, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So um, around 2002, I think it was, um, I came across the uh, the website, which at the time was called bonjour.org.uk, which is now Linguascope. And I was really inspired by the way that you could have these you know, interactive um, exercises and they were self-marked and you got immediate feedback. And then uh, off the back of that, I, I explored how to make these sorts of exercises using Hot Potatoes, which is a Canadian uh, multimedia exercise uh, suite, which is still available for free, I think, to download. And then, yeah, I got into, you know, PowerPoint and then uh, blogging and podcasting and just and just went from there, really. But mm-hmm. I think um, I mean, I've said this on other podcasts, but I think it's uh, it's great in a way that we have the technology that we have now with the pandemic compared to if we'd had the pandemic, say, 20 years ago. I think it would have been a very different picture Absolutely. Um, with the Internet speeds, the, the video quality or the lack of video, you know, streaming capability, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think we've come a long way. But that said, I think the pedagogy has um, remained the same, really. We, you know, we want to give feedback. We want the students to collaborate. We want them to be creative. We want them to produce uh, good presentations. We want them to collaborate with with um, other classes to practice their language. So I think those sorts of pillars uh, have not changed. But what has changed is the technology has got, become better, quicker, easier to use, etc., so let's unpack that piece a little bit. We're, we're holding fast to feedback and the pedagogy, but now we are able to enhance that through technology. So how has technology enhanced those very basic underpinnings of our teaching of feedback and pedagogy? For example, in relation to feedback, it's now very easy, for example, to give comments on Google Docs in a class notebook in a Microsoft environment. We can now easily give audio feedback as a multimodal approach so that the, the students can hear the, you know, the power of the of their teacher's voice, which is more you know, personal and maybe intimate to them. They can then take on board the feedback that they're given. So I think that sort of ability to uh, give other forms of feedback rather than always written feedback is is a great time saver. And I also think that from the point of view of one of the one of the powers I think of technology is the way in which you can get immediate feedback. So so tools such as you know Quizlet and Duolingo and all those other sorts of um, quizzing tools uh, uh, around you know the idea of low stakes testing and uh, retrieval practice are really good in the way that they do give immediate feedback to the students. The way that the algorithms are set up there. They're constantly being reminded of the, of the words they need to work on and the, and the strategies that they need to, to put in place to help them to retain uh, the language. So I think those sorts of um, ideas uh, and how the technology is facilitating the, the pedagogy is, uh, is absolutely wonderful. So particularly you know, recently, to, to quote an example, um, I think the Moat Chrome extension has proved very popular amongst uh, not just language teachers, but teachers from around the world because 
the idea of audio feedback has been there for a long, long time. There's been various research behind that and the power of it and the fact that, the, that generally students say, you know, they find it more personal and they like the feedback that they receive from the, the teacher. It's something a bit different. But the fact that uh, Moat uh, allows you to leave audio comments within Google Classroom, Google Slides, Google Docs, the way that you can have um, audio within a Google form so that you can have a list of comprehension activity with uh, the the audio in the question as well as the uh, the four answers you can have audio for those the way that you can send audio via gmail the way you can have audio within uh, jamboard using moat uh, i think there's lots and lots of different possibilities uh, and that's that's what technology should do at its best it should be simple and easy to use but provide new opportunities and that's in in a way is the way in which it enhances traditional ideas such as the importance of feedback. I think a lot of teachers think of technology as the game web- websites, like the how to do the the games with the iPads. And those tend to be the ones that students ask for because they enjoy them and they can get a little overused, you know, but the I appreciate your framing it as using technology to enhance the good teaching and not do sort of the, the games as the one-offs. Um, so I would like to sort of expand a little bit on uh, the this idea of feedback and, and pedagogy and really look at the different language skills. So if we're looking at the interpersonal, we're looking at reading and writing. Uh, for those listening in the, the U.S., we use the actful modes of communication is the language around that. That's what I'm getting at. So when it comes to interpersonal and reading and writing, um, I would like to have some ideas about how to use technology to address those specific skills. So I don't know if you want to break them down or if there are some that can be used for all of them. Okay, well, starting off with reading, I think that, uh, again, if we think about how we traditionally test reading or do reading comprehension, we we make gap fills. Uh, That's a sort of a classic idea. So if you wanted to recreate a gapful activity um, there's a really nice uh, google doc add-on called close it which is spelt c-l-o-z-e capital letters and then it on the end so close it so you just have to go to um, google docs go to the add-ons uh, option and do a search for close it and you'll find it what it allows you to do is you just put in a text and then you can then easily select or highlight uh, different words within that text or short-term chunks and then turn it into a a gapful activity. Another way of doing the same thing is to highlight an individual word or uh, short chunk uh, to change the background to the same color as the, sorry, to change the the color of the text to the same color as the background and also to underline it and then to use the Format Painter tool, which is available in Google Doc and Microsoft um, Word double uh, tap on that or double click on that and then simply go through all the different words you want to turn into gaps by double clicking on them and it w- will then transfer the formatting from that first one to the other, all the other ones and that's another easy way of making a gap fill and that was using close it it's called? yeah so close it is um mm-hmm. is a google doc add-on which okay. was developed by a physics teacher from london um, but for language teachers i think it's just a great way of being able to turn any text into a gap fill by um, uh, by doing what, I, what I've suggested. And what it does as well is it takes all those words and then puts them underneath uh, in a chronological list. And of course, you could then delete that if you wanted to, to give more um, you know agency to the students, or you could have it differentiated. So you could give some 
gap fills to the students who maybe were stronger without the words um, at the bottom and then ones who you think might struggle a bit with the words at the bottom. So it's really nice from that point of view. So it's essentially it's just taking a Google Doc and just adapting it slightly in order to turn it into a gap fill. And then you could do the same thing, as I said, with with Word using the, the format painter uh, option. Whenever you're mentioning these add-ons or Chrome extension, are these things that we just as teachers need to have on our accounts to create them and then students can then use them? Or do they also have to have those extensions and add-ons when they're accessing it through their Google Drive? Okay, great question. So with Close It, um, it's just the teacher that needs to have it to create the, the gap fill. Uh, in relation to Moat that I was talking about earlier with audio feedback, if the students have the uh, the Moat extension, they don't have to, but if they do have it working on their web browser, um, on say, you know, a laptop, a Chromebook, a, a Mac, et cetera, then it means that the player will appear for them to click on and listen to the audio. If they don't have it, they just get the link so they can click on the link. And then uh, let's say it's on an iPad, it will they just open up onto a new page and they can listen to the audio so it's not stopping them from hearing the audio it's just that you get the nice player if you have the extension installed so of course you can't have an extension on an ipad mm-hmm. you would just get the get the link but that said there is an ios app for moat which means you can make your record your moats on your ipad and it's all synced with your account on your desktop so that's really nice as well there's a new um, plugin or new feature of Microsoft Teams now, because I know I've talked a little bit about Google. So just to give um, the, the Microsoft fans a bit of love out there, I know we've talked quite a lot about Google ideas so far. Uh, there's a new feature of Microsoft Teams called Reading Progress. Now, I've seen this demonstrated a couple of times um, in various webinars, and essentially the idea is the the teacher is able to um, ask the students to record themselves. It turns the audio into text, it then allows them to uh, say what their reading progress is based on the the text which which appears because of um, what they've said. I think that's right. As I said, I've only seen it a couple of times, but um, for for those people that have Microsoft, um, it is really really easy to um, to do. And I would also recommend if you want to find out more about it, if you go along to my YouTube channel, which is Joe Dale One Hundred and you look for the the show and tell session that we did at Christmas um, as part of the TILT webinar series. So TILT stands for Technology and Language Teaching. And uh, Jane Bassnett, who is a um, head of department in a school in the south of England and also in charge of e-learning in her school, um, she works in a Microsoft Showcase school, she demonstrated live how to do um, reading progress. So I may have misrepresented how it works exactly but i remember she'd asked the colleague to record her voice it had the text on the screen and then the reading progress plugin allows you to then dissect um the reading level of the of that particular person and then give advice on how that that person can improve so mm-hmm. if i have got it wrong do check out jane's um <laughs> uh, webinar contribution as well as the other contributions within that within that series and just talking about the tilt webinar series we've done over 140 webinars in the series since the start of the pandemic with my, myself uh, and um, my friend Helen Myers, who's the chair of the London branch of the Association for Language Learning, which is the equivalent of ACFIL um, in the UK. Have you found anything that would be like that in the Google world? Uh, not at the moment. There's nothing available, as far as I'm aware, that, that matches uh, reading progress. In my opinion, it's the other way around. Normally, it's normally Google come out with something and then Microsoft copies it. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in the case of Google Classroom, suddenly there was Microsoft Classroom and then that turned mm-hmm. into Class Notebook and, and so on and so forth. But uh, Or Microsoft Teams, should I say, actually. Yeah. 
but I'm not aware of anything of the same level as uh, Reading Progress. There's also uh, Flipgrid as well, which I think is um, Mm -hmm. really good for reading from the point of view of the the obvious way of using it is for speaking, listening work. But the fact that you can generate closed captions automatically Mm -hmm. in a variety of languages with Flipgrid could also really help, I think, with reading or, um, you know, like a... Uh, yeah, a, a listening listen comprehension practice whereby you give the students the uh, the captions beforehand, so you can then do some pre-listing activities. But they're they're reading the uh, the transcript, as I said, which is generated automatically. So I think that's another way in which you could um, uh, promote reading uh, mm-hmm. amongst students for sure. Okay, we want to look at writing. Yeah, let's do writing. Okay, let's talk about writing. Okay, so writing uh, something which has proved popular amongst the MFL Twitterati. Um, since the pandemic, I would say, is this idea of, you know, collaborative writing, uh, in particular, this idea of live writing, whereby you have um, a table uh, made up of a a variety of different columns. In the first column, the students put their names. In the second column, they write their text in their individual cell. And then in the third one, the teacher gives written feedback. So the idea is that they're all doing it live. That's why it's called live writing. And then the teacher would give some uh, feedback on a particular, let's say, word or short phrase that the student has written in their paragraph. They then change it in real time to make it better. So that's a really nice idea, I think. And it's made very easy in either a Microsoft or a Google environment, whereby in a Microsoft environment, you could use um, uh, a collaborative PowerPoint or a Microsoft Word document or a class notebook. Uh, The idea is that you just adding everybody um, at the same time in the same document. So they're all working together. And then likewise, in the Google environment, uh, you could use a Google Doc, you could use um, a Google um, uh, Slides presentation. Uh, And uh, it so happened that uh, in the MFL Twitter IT, there were people that were getting very excited about this idea of having a collaborative Microsoft PowerPoint presentation, whereby you had a template uh, in each of the slides. And the idea is that you'd have one student per template uh, and you or one student per slide, shall I say? So the template stays the same. You just copy it x number of times for the number of students in the class, and then you can see the icon, you know, top right of each of the slides, showing that that student was on that particular slide. And if you see two icons next to each other, then you know that there are two people that are working on the same slide. And if that's not the idea of the activity, the teacher can then okay. let them know. And, and likewise, in Google Slides, you could have um, click on the slide sort of view. Uh, also the Slides sort of views PowerPoint, uh, the grid view in uh, Google Slides, and then you can see all the uh, all the slides together, so that the students can then work on their individual slides. The mm-hmm. it it does mean if they all have editing rights, it means if someone wants to be a pain, they could go in and delete everything. But mm-hmm. you know, I would recommend doing this with a class when you don't have a student that's going to do that. Right. <laughs> Although, of course, you could then you know go into the revision history and obviously uh, uh, revert the uh, the right. version of the uh, of the PowerPoint or the mm-hmm or the, the Microsoft Word document, et cetera, back mm-hmm. to a previous version. But um, yeah. yeah, that's that's another thing I think, which is really nice, this idea of promoting collaboration as one of the, the 21st century skills, as one right. says. I was doing something similar with that when we were all virtual in our school and we were on Zoom for many months is we use Zoom uh, rather than the Google platform. And when students were in breakout rooms and they were working collaboratively, I could see four different documents at once and be able to communicate with them because it was sort of the way I found 
that you jump into the breakout room with them without having to have the conversation that you can sort of watch in real time what they're typing and give feedback that way. So that was a good point with that. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I think other other tools like Jamboard uh, allows you to do the same thing. So you have uh, up to 20 frames. So you have, you know, you could assign, uh, let's say, two or three students per frame, and that would be fine. I wouldn't recommend having 30 students all working on the same frame. I've tried mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. in webinars and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could have a, a tool like whiteboard.fi, which mm-hmm. I think is really nice for the students working on their own individual um, digital mini whiteboard. Mm-hmm. So you could you could ask them a question, get them to draw their answer, which can be a great way of uh, uh, promoting speaking. Or you could ask them a question, they could then write their answers, um, say on a grammar point, and then you can then easily see uh, what each person has done. Um, you could also, a bit like the uh, collaborative PowerPoint idea, you can uh, create an, uh, a template as an image and then push that image to all the whiteboards so everyone has the same whiteboard and then they then draw on their own individual answer so if you want to have you know collaboration but them not on each other's um uh, on each other's mini whiteboards then whiteboard.fi is really nice for that and i'd also give a shout out to um uh, to shalala as well mm-hmm. uh, which is also uh, similar to whiteboard.fi um, although has more features uh, in the sense that you can do um, collaborative storytelling with with drawing um, as well as the equivalent of, you know, mini whiteboard. So I think um, that's also a, another uh, fantastic tool um, as well for promoting writing, feedback, and uh, collaboration. I think that when it comes to the interpersonal communication, that technology, it it seems like a lot of times it's very individualized. So I'm writing, I'm reading. Help us with that interpersonal piece, that interpersonal communication and leveraging technology. Okay, so when we talk about interpersonal communication, are we talking about? Because um, obviously, I'm from the UK, I'm not as uh, 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 as au fait with the, the three <laughs> modes of communication compared to in the state. Uh, so we're t- we're talking about real time spontaneous talking. You could be using Flipgrid as well. You could uh, be using that for uh, conversation in the sense that you could have the camera pointed at two people at the same time and they could be having a conversation with each other or you could um, be using a tool like quicker conversations which allows you to uh, record uh, some audio as a question and then you send the link to all the students and then they can all then reply to that in real time Um, or you could you could record your your the first line of a dialogue send the link to a student they could then reply to that um, uh, first line with a second line you could then do the the third line and so on and so forth uh, that's a completely free tool, by the way. Quicker is spelt Q-W-I-Q-R. And there's two main ways of using it. You can either use it for uh, giving feedback, a little bit like Moat, and you can assign the audio to a QR code, or the conversation option um, is one when you click on the, the purple circle with two uh, white speech bubbles on it, and then that allows you to um, uh, to uh, moderate the conversation as well, which is obviously very good, useful. And you can record your question a bit like Flipgrid, but simpler and quicker, I think, to set up. I love Flipgrid, but I, I just think if you're looking for for just a, an easy way of practicing conversation, then that could be a real winner. And I think uh, going back to your breakout rooms um, mm-hmm. idea, I think it's also a nice way of creating, say, five quick conversations, sharing the links with the students in individual breakout rooms, and then the people in that in those breakout rooms can then record if you like a summary of what they've been talking about within the within the breakout room, which I think is also a nice way of being able to uh, promote uh, speaking. Uh, and then 
and then you know if you're going to mm-hmm. uh, set up some sort of exchange as well whereby you're connecting with um, another school in another country then uh, you could do a collaborative project again with uh, with Flipgrid um, but you could also uh, set up um, I'm sure there are well I know there are there are different um, uh, programs um, that people use in the states we had um, uh, Professor uh, Florencia Henshaw who was on uh, uh, doing a tilt webinar for us uh, a few weeks ago, and she talked about a number of different um, schemes that uh, she uses in her own context. So, if you go again to my YouTube channel and uh, dig out her webinar, you'll be able to see the sorts of the sorts of tools that she recommends for that. But um, certainly in the UK, we used to have e-twinning, which, um, as a result of Brexit, the B word, uh, we don't have access to now, which is incredibly. <laughs> frustrating but there are you know we you know through twitter through social media we can make these you know more informal connections i suppose with teachers in other countries and then uh create some sort of virtual exchange through those through you know all the obvious you know zoom google meet teams uh, sessions but i think it's also very important from a safeguarding point of view that we record all the sessions and that we um uh, blur our backgrounds. We try to to keep everyone as safe as as we possibly can. I think that's also really really important when we're talking about interpersonal communication. How do you refer to that in the UK? That sort of spontaneous speaking. Well, what we tend to do is we tend to divide the different areas into skills. We talk about instead of talking about the three modes of mm-hmm. communication, we talk about um, listening, speaking, reading, and writing, and then also about promoting intercultural understanding as well, which in previous uh, you know national curriculums we've had, or curricula, should I say, that's been sort of one of the, the key facets. Mm-hmm. But there's, we always have the listening, speaking, reading, and writing. It's just uh, in some forms of the, whichever, you know, the new version at the time of the national curriculum, in some cases would have more focus on uh, one of the skills over other ones. So um, you might have, for example, mm-hmm. more, a percentage, you know, instead of having having it as a twenty five percent split, you might have more for say mm-hmm. reading or writing or for speaking. But we generally talk about the four skills as opposed to uh, we don't. I mean, we have in the tilt webinars we've had um, a number of U.S. speakers who have talked about the modes of communication. But I'm still getting my head around how it all works. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're new words for the old concepts. Uh, I think they're they were just uh, they're an attempt to contextualize. I think is really what they're doing, which is which is great. Any sort of framework to hang the content onto and to mm-hmm. in relation to technology, looking at the different um, aspects of the different modes of communication is obviously then going to be helpful to say, okay, so for let's say the interpersonal uh, mode, you would use X, Y, and Z in relation mm-hmm. to, to, to tools. And that makes it you know, more accessible, I think, for teachers um, in, your, in your own context. In, mm-hmm. in the UK context, I think we talk about, you know, what are good, what are good um, tools for promoting speaking or listening? I mean, just on that point, um, I was doing a, a webinar um, recently, uh, which um, I refer to as a clinic, uh, which mm-hmm. I've done a few times, which is I, um, I give people a week to uh, answer a Google form with lots of questions in it. And then I then try to answer the questions myself. But if I can't think of an answer to a question or I, I want a bit of help or inspiration, I will ask then the MFL Twitterati to give some suggestions. And they always come up. Trump's always, uh, always brilliant. So I had a question from uh, this uh, group of teachers in the, in the clinic about, you know, what are the best uh, free tools for promoting listening skills? So I asked that question to the, uh, the MFL Twitterati and then was able to put together a really nice slide full of um, lots of lovely suggestions, including some free tools and some 
uh, paid for tools that, are, mm. that were also being recommended. So, um, yeah, I think having having a social media community, being part of a social media community is just wonderful, not only for professional support, but also, I think, particularly during the pandemic for sort of personal support and the fact that, you know, you might uh, like the same soccer team as somebody else in the MFL Twitterati, or you might like puns, or you might like uh, whatever it might be, that you can share a, a joke as well, as well as the, the serious, you know, exchange of pedagogical ideas as well. We're going to take a break here on this topic. Be sure to check back in next week so you can hear the continuing conversation in part two of this conversation with Joe Dale. Be sure to check out the episode blog post for all the links at wlclassroom.com EP34. Also, be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Joe and get all of the links that he mentioned as well. You'll also see the link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.